0: morning we have started a new series called godcasts and basically if you weren't here last week i kind of set it up and i said where this came from basically where it came from is is kind of an idea of if god were here today how would he communicate to us if god were on the earth today if jesus christ were walking here today and he was trying to talk to us i mean he did it his own way back 2000 years ago when he was here he spoke to his audience, his people, in a relevant way. So, how would he do it today? Chances are, I think he'd be online somehow. He'd either have a blog or he'd have a podcast. Hence, Godcast. And and what we started thinking about was if God had his own podcast. If you were able to email in to God and ask him a question that he would address on his next post, what would you ask? I went around the office about a month ago, and I asked some of the staff members, you know, what are some questions facing 21st century Christians today? What are some of the things that are relevant to us? That if you were able to ask God to give you an answer to something, what would it be? And and they came up with four questions, and I added one at the end. But the four questions they said they hear from people around their ministries, people that they know. The first one was, are there many ways to God? Uh, in today's society, they're, we're just bombarded by hearing examples of how to get to God and different truths that are out there. So the first question they said was, are there many ways to God? The second one was, why is Christianity split into so many different denominations? Why, why have we who supposedly believe in the same Savior split into so many different ways, and, and why do we fight all the time? That was a question that came from the children's ministry, which I think a lot of kids actually have that question, which was interesting. The, the third one is, um, are we living in the end times? That's a question, if you look at the news, sometimes it might pop into your mind. Or if you listen to a, uh, another pastor that's here in town, who speaks about this quite often, you might begin to think, are we really living in the end times? The next question is, why do bad things happen to good people? This is a question that has been around since people could ask questions. And it's been something that has been very personal to me over the past 16 months. Something I've been doing a lot of thinking about and a lot of praying about. Why do bad things happen to good people? And then the last one that I threw in there was, are there really shapes in clouds? Are there really? Because haven't you ever wanted to ask God that? Are you up there really creating stuff in the clouds? Did you really create a dinosaur in that cloud or am I just seeing things? There's more to it than that, but you'll have to come on the fifth Sunday to find out. So basically, those are the things that we want to ask God, and he's going to tell us the answer, through me, on his Godcast each week. There's a few things that are going along with this. One, we're doing man-on-the-street interviews. A couple of people went down to the Alamo Plaza about a week ago, and they set up a camera and started asking just random people these five questions the fifth one gets some nice answers, but they started asking you just normal people, and you saw the different answers we got for this first one. So that's going to be one of the things. The second thing is we are going to be on iTunes. Um, we are launching on iTunes. Yes, we are breaking into the world of, you know, I don't know, a couple of years ago, um, and, and being on iTunes. We have been online for quite a while. You can go to our website, newheights.cc, and and pick up the sermons online, but now you can download it to your iPod. And as a reminder about that, because we thought this would be fun also, we're going to be giving away 10 iPod Nanos. They are the New Heights colors, blue and white, and on the back of each one is laser etched uh, our website, so that you can, you know, if you want to give it to someone, if you already have one, and uh, send them there. And we're also going to try to be working out how to put um, Daryl's music on each of them so you can start off listening to some great uh, wonderful music. How do you get a, a nano is what you're asking yourself I know you're sitting there going, dude, how do I get one of those I know Daryl's already scheming around for a second. Um Here's how you do it We want you to invite people to this series We want you to bring first time guests to this series because we think that these issues are pretty important and are pretty relevant in not just Christians lives but everyone's lives so we want you to, to open up your, your, your Rolodex, if you, if you have one of those anymore, um, or go down to your phone list, whatever, and, and invite some people. And when you do that and you bring a first-time gift, you go, back, uh, guest, you go back and you see Kevin or Debbie or one of our hospitality people, and they will hand you a card like this. It says, God casts on it. It says, name, phone, and email. You will write down each of those things. You will get one card for every family that you bring. The family that you bring will get two cards. So they will have a better chance of winning than you will, but it's not about you now, is it? If you are a first-time guest right now, go back there and get one. You don't have to be brought by someone if you're a first-time visitor. And somebody asked me, well, how do we know if they're really first-time visitors? If you want to cheat God, go right ahead. (laughs) If you have any more questions about that, you can ask Debbie or Kevin, and uh, they can probably answer, or you can come up to me after the service. But today we're starting on the first question. Are there many ways to God? Are there many ways to God? You know, this is such a big, vast question. And if you get online and try to search, like, how do I get to God? What are the different paths to God? You will get so many different hits and see so many crazy things that are out there. It's unbelievable. I spent some time doing this, and I got some really interesting things on, on how to get to God. Let me kind of preface this by saying that my talk is coming from the perspective that the words in this Bible are true. Now, we have done sermons. I have done talks on the validity of the scriptures, on uh, the, the research behind it, the history behind it, how many copies, original copies and otherwise, are there compared to other pieces of literature. Dinah Shelley actually has done this in here also when we did the Da Vinci Code. We have done that in here before. If you have questions about that, please come see me. But I'm coming from the perspective that these words are true. And so, are there many ways to God? You know, it's interesting. God is everywhere today. God is all over the place. You turn on the TV and people are talking about God. Oprah always talks about God. Oprah, yes. Any Oprah fans in here? Daryl thinks she's uh, a, a... Kind of helps Satan out a little bit, but that's another story. He also thinks Carl Malone does. I'm gonna pause there. He's retired. Let him be at peace. But you can hear about God anywhere. But there's one thing you can't hear about, one person you don't hear about very often, and that's Christ. Because people get in an uproar if you start speaking about Christ. I don't know if you watched the Masters a few weeks ago, but the kid who won, I say kid, he's 31, two years younger than I am. The kid who won, his name is uh, Zach Johnson, I believe is his last name. Isn't that his name, Kevin? Zach Johnson. And when they asked him afterwards about it, he said, I just know that Christ was with me the whole time. He said that in a few different interviews on TV. He gave credit to Jesus. He didn't say Jesus helped him swing. But he said he has faith in Christ, and that gave him the strength to not worry about Tiger. Tiger who? Who cares? I have Christ. And it was interesting each time he said that to see the reaction of the news person, of the guy that was interviewing him. Jim Nance was one of them, just blew right on by it. Didn't even touch it. Went on to something else. Because it's kind of a taboo taboo issue. You don't talk about Christ. You can talk about Kabbalah. You can talk about Buddha. You can talk about Hinduism. You can talk about all these different things. But don't talk about Jesus because that's too narrow-minded. Because you're shutting out the rest of the world. Even though they are too. Are there many ways to God? I'm going to go through a lot of scripture today. If you have your Bible, you can flip and try to keep up. If not, okay, just listen. John 14:6. John 14:6. For for me This is what it comes down to. I mean, seriously, we could end it right here. For me, this is what it comes down to. Are there many ways to God? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. See you next week. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to God except through me. I am the only way to God. Me. I wrote that on my personal theology paper in seminary and got a bad grade for it because I was being too (laughs) close-minded. Yeah. That's why I hang my diploma in my office. Beneath stuff. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus claimed that he was the only way. And he took it a little further. John 10, starting at verse 30. The Father and I are one. It's a pretty big claim right there. Once again, the Jewish leaders picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, At my Father's direction, I have done many things to help the people. For which one of these good deeds are you killing me? They replied, Not for any good work, but for blasphemy. Because you, a mere man... Have called yourself God. See, there's a difference in Christ and Buddha and Muhammad and all the other religious leaders. The difference is Jesus said, I'm God. Jesus didn't say, I have the way to God. He said, I am the way to God and I am God. People don't doubt that Jesus existed. If you go to these other religions and you go to some of their scholars and their leaders, they don't doubt that Jesus lived. They believe that he was a man who lived on this earth. They believe that he was a teacher. In fact, they like his teachings. How can you not like the teachings of Christ? Love one another. Love one another. Be at peace. He teaches you to live a life of peace and harmony and love. How can you not like those teachings? Other religions don't doubt Christ. But they vehemently dispute dispute these two things, that he is the way and that he is God. So the question you have to ask yourself is, Are these two, are these two things true? Is Christ the only way to God, and is he, in fact, God? This question is the most important question of your life. It is, without a doubt, the most important question of your life. Do you believe that Christ is the way to salvation? Do you believe that Christ is God? And the answers to that question will determine whether or not you should ever come back here. Because if you don't believe those two things, if you don't believe that Christ is God, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ's death and resurrection are what offer you freedom, then why do you continue to show up? Because you want an iPod Nano? The answer to that question is the most important answer you will ever determine in your life. Is Christ truly the way to God? Well, there's a few things that you need to look at in order to determine the answer. First, examine what people said about Christ. Examine what other people said about Him in John 18, verse 38. This is during all of the, the trial. Jesus is brought to trial by the Jewish leaders and Pilate takes him in and he interviews him and he comes back and he said what is truth, Pilate asks then he went out again to the people and told them he is not guilty of any crime other translations say I can find no fault in him Pilate was not a believer in Christ Pilate was a Roman and yet he brings Christ back out to the Jewish leaders, and he says, there's no fault in this man. I wonder how many of you, if we went to your friends, said, can you find a fault in so-and-so? If you went up to Jenna and asked, are there any faults in Michael? She'd say, have a seat. How many of us can, can honestly say that there is no fault in us? How many of us believe that others would say the same? Oh, that woman, oh, she's perfect, no fault in her. That guy, outstanding. Pilate says there's no fault in him. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-four. Twenty-seven fifty-four. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. Now think about who these people are. The Roman officer and all the other soldiers at the crucifixion. The guys who crucified Christ. The guys who stood there and watched the nails go in. Who hoisted the cross. Who stuck the spear in his side. These guys say truly... This was the Son of God. Truly, this was the Son of God. It wasn't just the people who believed in Jesus Christ who thought He was God. It was people who were completely outside the Jewish world, people who were completely outside the ways world, the Christian world. These Roman soldiers looked at Him and said, Truly, this is the Son of God. people back then who weren't connected with christ who weren't followers of christ looked at him looked at him and found no fault in him people looked at him and said he was the son of god so you examine what people say about him then you examine what christ did examine the things that christ did in mark chapter 6 verse 2 soon the house oops that's chapter 2 verse 6 A little math dyslexia going on. The next Sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. They asked, where did he get all his wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Christ was a great teacher when he was here. He went around and he taught, and he talked, and he spoke with people, and he cared for people. And he did miracles. He did amazing things that only God could do. He opened up with turning water into wine. He cured blind people. He made the lame walk. He cured leprosy. He drove demons out of people. He brought someone from the dead back to life. The interesting thing is people didn't dispute this at the time. How could they? There were too many witnesses to the things Christ did. People saw him heal someone right in front of them. Get up off of your mat, pick it up, and walk out of here. Right in front of the Pharisees, Christ did this. They didn't dispute the fact that he did the miracles. But it scared the heck out of them. What did Christ do when he was here? He performed miracles. They tried to stop him. By asking him questions about it. By interrogating him. Why are you healing on the Sabbath? And yet he kept performing the miracles. He was God. So you look at what people said about him. You look at what Christ did while he was here. And then look at what God did. In Acts chapter 3 verse 15. You killed the author of life, but God raised him to life. And we are witnesses of this fact. God raised Christ from the dead. Now there's a few things that you can look at. One, it has been argued over the years that the Roman soldiers took him away that the Jewish leaders decided that they needed to get the body out of there. But if they knew that that was a central key, Christ predicted that he would raise again from the dead in three days, why would they make that body disappear? In fact, they probably wanted the body to be seen. But the body was gone. Some people say that the disciples came in and stole the body the disciples these fishermen come and overtake roman soldiers move the stone away and steal the body probably not likely others say that it was an amazing scam pulled off by these uneducated fishermen tax collector an amazing scam That convinced millions of people for over 2,000 years. Pretty impressive Amway cell, isn't it? Christ was raised from the dead and seen by over 500 people. Do you think so many people could be coerced into saying, yes, I saw him walking around after we know he was crucified? Over 500 people were witnesses to the living God walking around on earth after his crucifixion. So what did God do? He raised Christ from the dead. You have to look at what people say. You have to look at what Christ did when he was on earth and what God did. And then you come to three options. Three options that C.S. Lewis first introduced to the theological world. The first one is that Christ is a liar. For somebody to make the claims that he did, the first option you can go to is that Christ was a liar. He lied about being God. He lied about the things that he did. Straight up a liar. He was just a carpenter. He was a great communicator, good teacher, but he lied. Think about this. I I heard someone who was talking about these three options once say, if you were lying about this, if you were just a carpenter and you went through this whole thing, this whole scenario and all this stuff going on and then you got to the trial and then you got to the crown of thorns and the whips and the beatings and the torture at some point wouldn't you go I'm just kidding I was working on I was building stuff all day long. It got kind of boring. Day after day, the same stuff. Carpentry, carpentry, carpentry. I thought I'd shake it up a little bit. Don't you think at some point during that time before the nails were driven in, you'd go, wait a minute. I'm just kidding. He had multiple opportunities to say that he wasn't God. Asked again and again by the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He had opportunities from Pilate. He had opportunities to say that he was just kidding. JK. But he didn't. So, your first option is: is, is he a liar? And it seems unlikely. The second one is: is Christ a lunatic? To do all that he did, he must be crazy. We've seen crazy Christian leaders in the past: David Koresh, Jim Jones. Different people that have come through and and believed vehemently with their life, the lives of others, that God was directing them down one path. But does the way Christ lived his life make you think that he was crazy? The way he reached to the low, the lowest of our community, of his community, the way he reached out to those. Who were hungry, those who society had cast out. A loving man, a caring and gentle man. But I don't think you're crazy, man. And so the third option you're left with is Jesus is God. Is that plain and simple? Jesus is God. Revelation nineteen. At verse eleven. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there, and the one sitting on the horse was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and then goes to war. His eyes were bright like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him, and only he knew what it meant. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword, and with it he struck down the nations. He ruled them with an iron rod, and he trod the winepress of the fierce wrath of Almighty God. On his robe and thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Isn't it amazing... That the name of Jesus is the only curse word of religious leaders around. Isn't it amazing that when you slam your thumb with a hammer, you don't scream out, Muhammad! Isn't it amazing that there's such an attack on the name of Christ that children can't mention it in schools? That people can't really mention it at their places of business, but they can mention others. Isn't it amazing how much the world has turned against Christ? But doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it make sense when you know that Christ is the way to God? When you know that he is God? When you know that in order to achieve salvation and freedom from death, You must believe in Him. Doesn't it make sense that the world would attack Him? Doesn't it make sense that the world would say, No, He's not the only way. There's all kinds of different options for you. Just lead a good life. That's all you have to do. Believe in this. Believe in that. You don't need to believe in that stuff. Sure, Christ was a great guy. We all loved him. He'd be a best friend if he were here now, but nah. I think the amazing thing about Christ is the fact that he did all that he did. Everything that he went through. His entire life. His death. All of that he did. Knowing what was going to happen. Knowing that his name would be thrown around. Knowing that people would speak against him. People would fight and die to tell you that Christ didn't live, that Christ wasn't God. He did all of that knowing that in the year 2007, people would say, there are many ways. I would discount what he did knowing that even in Christianity there would be people who would say he's not the only way I answered the question at the beginning and you're probably wishing I would have ended right there but the answer is John 14:6 are there many ways to God I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are a God of love and peace, you are a God of passion. Lord, we thank you. For the life that you lived and the death that you suffered so that we, even though we know who we are and you know who we are, so that we might have eternal life, so that we might have freedom from death. Lord, I pray that if any of us have a question in our mind as to whether or not you are the way and the truth and the life, that it would be erased right now, not by the words I said, but by your power, but by your spirit. Father, release the bonds of the world that hold us back from you. Allow us to feel your presence stronger than ever before, that we might know you closer and deeper. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus Christ's holy name, amen.